Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, chapter 4, verses uh, 1, to, 1 to 6. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. Thanks, Father, for a time to be in your word, and thank you that you have spoken clearly. As we realized this morning when we sang that first song and didn't have the words on the screen, we didn't sing clearly. That's the same when we don't have the Word of God before us. We don't speak clearly and we certainly don't hear from you. Thank you that you have revealed your Word to us. Thank you that it is clear. Would you give us now um, minds that are willing to embrace it, that you would give us wills that are willing to obey it, that you would give us hearts that are willing to love it. Um, Make the book live, I pray, to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Family matters, and no matter how we attempt in our day and age to redefine it, no matter how we determine to undermine it, no matter how we attempt to ignore it, family matters. And there are a few things that have a profound, as profound an impact on us as our families, either for our good or for our hurt. They shape us, they mold us, they make us who we are as adults. After 56 verses, which is how many verses are in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, verses that are almost exclusively about God, with the exception of one time where he commands us to do something, everything else is a declaration of what God has done. One thing after another thing after another thing. After 56 verses of what God has done for us, It struck me that the first point of application that Paul makes is the application to us to understand what it means to be a family, to understand what it means for us to be the family of God. You read the first three chapters and you will find a number of phrases that um, help us understand why this is such a significant um, part of what Paul is wanting to apply in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he talks about um, all that Christ has done in order to bring us into peaceful relationships with other people and peaceful relationships with God, and it's in order that we might have access to the Father. In Ephesians uh, 2.19, he tells us that all of this has taken place so that we might become members of the household of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, he talks there about the fact that we have been predestined before the foundation of the world. In other words, God has, has chosen us, God has selected us, God has declared before he ever built this world, we have been predestined to be adopted into his family. Well, what is adoption? Adoption is a great family word. Adoption is a word of hope. Adoption is a word that says those who are not family or have no family now have a family. So before the foundation of the world, God had determined to adopt countless men and women, boys and girls, into 
his family. And uh, as you go through chapter 1, you come to uh, verse 11, and it speaks there, and there's a number of verses that speak about this in the first three chapters, about how we now have received an inheritance. Well, who gets an inheritance? It's people that are part of a family. It's people that, 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 that share the same father. And so he says we have been adopted. He says that we have been um, made members of the household of God. He says that we now um, are, are fellow partakers of this amazing inheritance that is coming to us. You look at other markers throughout the first three chapters, and you find in, in chapter uh, 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Notice what he says. God and Father. Our Father who has blessed us. And then you jump to... Um, Verse one uh, or seventeen of chapter one, and again it says there that that um, we have uh, uh, that 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 God has called us, and that He is our Father, the Father of glory. Uh, a little bit later, it mentions um, how how Paul bows his knees before his Father, and so we are part of the family who now calls God. Our Father. So there's been these markers all the way through the first three chapters of Ephesians that point out the importance of family. One of the things that I think that it's important for us to understand also is that um, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, it's almost all doctrine. And by doctrine, what I mean by that is, is statements about God. Um, uh, doctrine matters. So it tells us that God is a God of love. It tells us that God is a God of mercy. It tells us that God is a God of grace. It tells us how God has redeemed us. It tells us that God is one, but He exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It tells us what the Father has done in order to take us who were enemies and make us at peace with Him. It tells us how God took those of us who were dead and made us alive. So the first three chapters of Ephesians is doctrine. It's these great statements about what God has done. If we just stopped there, we would have fat heads. And we would be puffed up because of all our knowledge. And, 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 and we, would, we would pride ourselves in how much we knew about God. But what happens in chapter 4 is Paul says, Okay, you have all this knowledge now. This is how it makes a difference in your life. In other words, doctrine in and of itself is really useless. Doctrine has to be translated into the way that we talk, into the way that we walk, in the way that we serve, in the way that we live, in the way that we relate. So doctrine determines our behavior. Now that is true in any a number of circumstances. You will always live what you believe. You will always live out what you think. If you don't think that there is anything wrong with sex outside of marriage, you will have sex outside of marriage. If you don't believe that marriage matters, you will live together. Um, you can, you can, there's any number of examples that we can say that your belief determines your behavior. It's, not, it's the same in faith, and it's the same in practice. And so when we come to chapter 4 now, what Paul is saying to us is, this is all the doctrine now, this is how it should shape the way that you walk, the way that you talk, the way that you live. And for the next four chapters in Ephesians, we will look at 
um, instance after instance of how what God has done for us should change the way that we live. And what struck me again as I started in Ephesians chapter 4 is that the very first point of application that Paul makes is the implications for you and I as being part of this family. How we get along together. How we interact together. What is the foundations of, uh, what, are, what are the boundaries of our Christian life? And so we won't get to them. I'll just give them to you because they're in that little note sheet. We're actually only going to get the first one. But the first thing that he talks about is our mandate or our calling. What are we called to as a family? The second thing that he talks about is what are the behaviors that we should exhibit as children? And one of the amazing things that I was thinking about as, as I was looking through these behaviors that Paul mentions uh, are, are part of the family is I think that is a course on parenting. If you want to know, parents, what are the things that you should be teaching your children for family harmony, you need to read and think about, and we'll talk about this more when we come to it next year, um, those four or five things that he talks about. We need to teach our children what it means to be humble-minded. We need to teach our children what it means to be um, 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 gentle. Uh, we need to, to, to teach our children what it means to be patient. We need to teach our children what it means to be, um, have forbearing love. We need to teach our children how you maintain peace and harmony in a home. Right there in those one and a half verses, we have a whole course on parenting. And Paul says, this is what we need to learn as brothers and sisters in the family of God in order that we can all achieve this goal of unity, this goal of being one big family together. And then you get to the last verses in verses um, uh, 4 to 6, and what he talks about there is the boundaries of what we believe. If you don't know what you believe, you don't have anything that you're working towards. And so Paul says, as a church, these are the things that are the boundaries of what you believe, what unites us together. And so this is what he's going to talk about for us as a family. But the first thing that he talks about is this notion that, um, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. The very first application he makes after talking about God's grace, talking about God's mercy, talking about God's salvation, is that we are part of a family. And as I was thinking about this, I am certainly fully aware that many of us come from families where we have little in common with our brothers and sisters or maybe our step-parents. We, have, we haven't spoken to some of our siblings or maybe our parents for, for months, if not years. And there's things that have taken place that have set us at odds from one another. I look at the body of Christ and I look particularly at this body of Christ and I, I sometimes wonder, how will we all get along? Because one of the things that I am so thankful for is that we are part of a multi-generational church. I, if, if, if I have anything to say about it, I don't, and I think you can hold me to this, although I might destroy all the tapes, is I don't ever think I will ever come and say that we will be a church that will target 32-year-old women. That will be how we will tailor our services. That how we will tailor our preaching. In other words, there are churches across North America that have picked a specific age as a target and says, those are the people that we are going to try and attract to the good news of the gospel. I want to say that I hope you, and certainly me, will share the gospel with anyone and whoever will listen, whether they are two months old or whether they are 102 years old, we all want them to hear the good news of the gospel and respond in a saving way to Jesus Christ. 
And that's what I love about this church, is it, ex- it, 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 it covers all generations. But that's also what sometimes makes for the tensions that we face. Because some people like it this way. Some people like it this way. Some people like drums. Some people hate drums. Some people like a 10-minute sermon. Other people like a two-hour sermon. How many like a two-hour sermon? Well, not too many. Well, there's a few. There's a few. Um, but, 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 you know, some like it hot. Some like it cold. Some like this color of paint. Some like that color of paint. Some like this carpet. Some like don't carpet. Some like men's ministry. Some like women's ministry. Some have different opinions of what should happen in those things. And so we have all these things that can cause tension. Paul is going to give us, and you have to wait till January, um, but Paul is going to talk about the ways that if we embrace these five behaviors that he talks about, we will know what it is to have unity as a body of Christ. So, so he's, I sometimes wonder, how will we get along? But it's God's way. God has determined, and this is what blows me away, God has determined that our expression of family together as the body of Christ will be a means of at least two things. One, it's his way of displaying to the heavenlies, to the angelic hosts and to the demonic hosts. It's one way of displaying the manifold wisdom of God. Who would have thought that charismatics could worship beside Anglicans, could worship beside Lutherans, could worship beside Baptists, could worship beside Christian Reforms, could worship beside Evangelical Free, all in one building together? That's the amazing thing that God does. Who would ever have thought that somebody who is rich could sit beside somebody who is poor? That somebody who has been raised with privilege could sit beside someone who is of the lowest class? That somebody who has a home could sit beside somebody who doesn't have a home? That's what the body of Christ is all about. That's what the family of God is all about. And so that displays the manifold wisdom of God. That God says, look at what I can do with these people. I can take people who are at odds with each other. I can take people who had never thought that they would ever sit beside somebody, let alone talk to somebody of, of that sort of thing, and I can put them together and I can develop love in their hearts for one another. It displays the manifold wisdom of God. The second thing that sort of strikes me about this is that Jesus prayed um, that, that our love for one another... That the love that you show for me, the love that I show for you, the love that we show for each other in tangible ways, Jesus prayed that our love for one another would be a witness to the world of the existence of Christ. Don't you think that should really make us think twice before we get mad at somebody in the family of God? Before we cause division and strife? Because God has determined and Christ, had pr- Christ has prayed that our love would be one of the greatest means of testimony to a world that needs to believe that Jesus actually came to this world. And so, beloved, as a family, we are tangible evidence that Jesus Christ entered into time and space, died on the cross to redeem a group of people for himself. So God has determined this. And what happens when we squabble and fight and when we don't work our differences out and when we exclude people and cause divisions, people on the outside have every right to say, well, you're no different than my strata. You're no different than the house of commons. You're no different from the family that I was raised in. Why do I need God? But when we love 
And when we set aside our differences, and when we get along with one another, and when we prefer one another over ourselves, people look at us and say, that's not normal. I want to be part of that. I want to know something of that love and of that care. I want to be part of that family. Well, the first thing that Paul talks about is, is uh, the family's mandate. And it's in verse, verse 4, verse, just the verse verse. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is our mandate. Our mandate, in a general way, is to walk in a manner that reflects our gratitude for the mercy and grace of God that called us out of death into life, that called us out of darkness into light. We are to live in a way that reflects what God has done for us. And it staggers me sometimes to hear people who say, well, now I have Jesus in my life, but they don't show that in the way that they live. Their lives are no different the day after they accept Christ than the day before they accept Christ. They think that they now have a ticket to heaven and everything's all right. That's not the teaching of Scripture. The teaching of Scripture is that your life will increasingly be an expression of your gratitude and thankfulness for everything that God has done for you. And so he says, um, therefore, I, I love that word because therefore reminds us that there's a context. It reminds us that, that, that doctrine has application. Therefore, because of all that God has done for you, live like this. Walk in this manner. Walk in a way worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Often the emphasis is made. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes this picture, or point, makes this point. Often the emphasis is made that when somebody becomes a Christian, what we tell them often is the things that they have to do. Um, you know, you, you need to start coming to church, you need to start reading your Bible, you need to start praying, you need to start giving. Um, all these things that, that people need to do. And, and there is a measure of truth in that. That, that it, it calls for a different way of doing things and a different set of, of things that we ought to do. But Paul's emphasis, and we'll see this when we come back to this text next time, Paul's emphasis is on what you are. He says, you are saints. Live like a saint. You are are children of God. Live like children of God. So his emphasis is on the internal transformation that takes place. Our attitudes and our behaviors that are shaped and molded now to reflect our father and our brother rather than that reflect our our lost self before we came to Christ. So he says there that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And the first point he makes is that we have been called to a new family. That our behavior should reflect that. And, and walk is one of the key words in the last three chapters of Ephesians. You'll find it used in a number of cases. And it, it's not simply just like walking like this. But it's talking about the conduct of our life. It's talking about the mannerisms with, with which we have. Um, it's, it's talking about a way of life. Uh, and, and a worthy walk is a walk that is fitting Or that is appropriate. In other words, we have been called to conduct ourselves in a certain way. Because of what God has called us to, we no longer lie. We no longer steal. We no longer cheat. We are faithful. We are humble. We are gentle. We are patient. We don't take out revenge. God has called us to walk in a manner that reflects Him. 
Our lives give a visible and practical expression of the power of God and the reality of His grace in our lives. And we are to reflect that family resemblance. I think this is one of the the reasons why rebellious and wayward children bring such pain and heartache and anguish to their parents. Because they are not walking in the ways of their family. They are not walking in the way that they have been raised to walk. They have said, I reject what you have done for me as a family. I reject what you have done for me as parents. I reject the home that you have tried to provide for me. I I reject the ethics and the morals that you have raised me with. I cast all that aside, and I'm going to live this way. And it breaks our hearts. It's no different from God. When we say to God, who are you on you? I don't care what you have said. I'm going to walk how I want. It breaks the heart of God. We are called to live in a manner worthy of the grace of God and the call to which we have received. One of the amazing things that we have, and, and I don't think we understand it enough um, uh, as, 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 as children of God, is we have been called to be part of the best family in the world. We have a perfect father. Perfect in every way. Good all the time. Just, holy, righteous. Um, um, keeps his promises. Faithful. Never, ever will let us down. We have been called to have a brother who is also a savior. Who is also a friend who is also a faithful, merciful high priest, Jesus Christ. We are part of the best family in the world. Amen is right. And this is what God has called us to. And so what is our mandate? And I will leave you now for the next six weeks, because we'll come back to it in January, to maybe on your own to look at verses 2 to 6 and think about how do they reflect with family? But to just start with this, loved ones, when you leave here and when you start thinking about what God has done for you this next week, say, is my walk, is my conversation, are my actions, are my interactions with the body of Christ, are they a reflection of the grace and mercy of God? In other words, am I walking in a way that is worthy of the great calling that I've received?